Last time on the Bestow Curse podcast, our heroes healed from their vampire fight and laid their soul-bound doll friend's soul to rest. The party investigated a lockbox at the Bank of Abadar, rested up after their big fight, and headed to the market to investigate the mystery of the corrupted currency. The Cursed Campaign continues now. Welcome back. We had a flashback at the end of last uh, last episode. We don't usually do those on this show. Oof. What a flashback it was. <laughs> yeah, dude. I feel like some of you maybe got the context of that more than others. Mm-hmm. Every time I hear the, the last name Foxglove, my ears perk up, but I just don't have a good frame of reference to some of the some of the particulars. You, you certainly met a Foxglove in this adventure without any any context. You met Ziva Foxglove of the Green Market. Um but there are other foxgloves and other adventures, uh, particularly Rise of the Rune Lords. They're tricksy, what I know about foxgloves. Yeah, it actually made me a little skeptical of the one we met in this adventure, just from her name alone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Her reputation precedes her. Her family's reputation precedes you. <laughs> yeah, she seems okay. She seemed okay to you. Yeah, yeah. As characters. Um, but you also, you know, I, th- I think, all of you know just from how much Pathfinder stuff you read, like an an all red cloaked person with uh, with like a sawtooth mantis blade looking thing, probably a red mantis assassin. Yeah, bad news could be. Yeah, Foxglove Manor up in the distance. Voral Foxglove, a person you probably heard of in Rise of the Rune Lords. And Trixie, interesting. Something's happening up there. The characters don't really know about it, but. It's it's one of those things, and I kind of wanted to talk about including flashbacks in adventures because, especially in our other show, Hideous Laughter, we we tend to kind of incorporate them a little bit more than we have been in here. But I like to use them as a GM as an opportunity to give you guys information that your context that you're never going to get. Mm-hmm. So think of that as a a little nugget that you will never get when you're. You know, as you're as you're approaching this adventure, it's a little tidbit that you might be able to like place once other pieces coming together, but you would never get that piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like to give flashbacks like that so that you as players can can kind of be like, oh, oh, I know what that is. Oh, I know where I know where that fits in. The audience, especially our listeners that have run Curse of the Crimson Throne, know that that's like a that's a connection that they throw in there to the adventure that was before Curse of the Crimson Throne that they don't explicitly expect you to reveal to your players. A little GM fan service for people who are familiar. Exactly. Those in the know. <laughs> Those in the know. But we've we've used them in other circumstances too, a lot of times for like character flashbacks and that kind of thing. Is that how you you guys like to use flashbacks, you know, when we play together or uh, I know, you know, several of you have GM'd. How do you like to use them? I like to use flashbacks, but I don't want I want them to be used sparingly and not like like your flashback shouldn't take 15 minutes, in my opinion. That's, that's a very long flashback and takes you out of the adventure a little. 
having some flashbacks when it's like a really pivotal moment 100% makes sense. I just, I get like, I feel like doing them for too long when there's a lot of people at the table, it's like, okay, well, maybe, maybe that's a little bit much. But then like having flashbacks in like your adventure, either frequently and short or like a couple longer, like 10 minute ones are like, I think those are always really good to bring a lot of immersion in and a lot of like richness to the character. I really like writing flashbacks. I think how to use a flashback is going to depend a lot on where in the campaign you are. If you start early, you can drip feed real like quick bite-sized things that keep people invested and you can see kind of a, a backstory developing as it were, if you're introducing a character in like a book five or a book six, you kind of need to exposition dump or you're not really going to get all the backstory that you might want to out there. I really like writing, so I, I'm a big proponent of them. But what I always kind of caution and, and try and reel in in myself is that you don't want to do too many of them because I, I, I know lots and lots of people love this show. There's parts of it that I like, but like, I feel like sometimes it can get a little bit like lost where like every effing episode is like half flashback and it's just like move the damn story forward. Like sometimes if every episode has an extended flashback, it's like you're not giving enough weight to what's actually going forward. You see it in a lot of other TV shows, too. That's like, oh, 60% of every episode is like explaining what's going on. Well, then what's going on must not be that interesting, you know? <laughs> I really, I really connect with that. There are spice in the GM's toolkit, I feel like, to use. And if you mm -hmm. use too much of a spice, you're overpowering the dish yeah. and uh, you're, you're, you're throwing the, the, the experience off a little bit. The places I've I've gotten to put them in are starting a campaign. I sometimes like to have a like like what did for curse to kind of at the very beginning give you a little extra background context to some of the either the decisions that have been made leading up to the moment you're starting at if you're doing like a in media res kind of thing wherever you're picking up and then yeah for for player backgrounds and, and some context for that it's it's interesting because they're like they're a mix of show and tell when you know usually they'll they'll the the advice that people give is like show don't tell for plot stuff it's always kind of a, a balance for me of keeping something like not answering definitively some things keeping things tantalizing while still giving you the little context that you're going to piece together later like you were saying griff but yeah they're cool yeah i think they're a really good way to add a little bit more depth to the characters and kind of help help everyone understand where they're coming from and understand the decisions that they're making throughout the campaign and i agree at the beginning of a campaign you need something to kind of get the character grounded and get them started and then as someone who has had to bring in several characters further into the story, it can be really helpful to kind of establish how they got to where they are today before they joined the party. Because if you're bringing in like a level five or six adventurer, they've done other stuff with their life to get them to that point. So it's kind of mm -hmm. neat to get to sprinkle in a little bit of that extra life story of how they got to where they are now. And this, uh, sorry, one more thing to add too. This isn't like, a super relevant flashback thing, but the piece de resistance is like at the end of a campaign, right? Where it's like you want closure on a character yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. At the end of a campaign, mm -hmm. you're certainly, I mean, I think that's where 
you're spending two hours like tying up everything and yeah. everybody's having their, you know, having their fade to black eight times, like at the end of return of the King, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it fades to black and then it's another scene with other characters you love. Uh, I think you got to do that as well. Uh, I'm also curious how you guys feel, especially those of you that are in the hideous laughter podcast, where we really, we really did a lot of flashbacks early on to establish your characters versus on this show where we haven't really done any, how do you feel that your characters have developed or you've been able to develop your characters maybe differently without, because this show is a hundred percent show. Like it's there's your characters have not had any tell like show and tell in a flashback, really anything that was really going to be a part of your backstory. I've kind of brought to the forefront in an event that happens. So there's not really flashbacks to your prior life, you know, even, even like with Vec, like to, to tell these parts of your, of your story, you're actually having to have a moment with like Trinia and explain it as opposed to just like us fading to, you know, some scene of you a hundred years ago. So I'm wondering how you guys are feeling about the development of your characters across the two different styles. I think it's just different fits for different campaigns. When we're coming into the Hideous Laughter podcast, we're four different characters from four wildly disparate parts of the world with four wildly uh, disparate backstories. And those get weaved into the overarching narrative. And the overarching narrative of that story is pretty transient. You're moving location to location. Things happen fast. You're part of these like big events that happen all over the country of Ustalav. So, yeah, you got to flash back if you want the context of, like, my character who's from the Milwaukee Expanse. Like, sure, it could come up in conversation and many times does, but the flashbacks are a really helpful tool to put his life experience into perspective. Whereas here, all of these characters are from this area, so those things that we would need to flash back to, we don't really have to because we can just go talk to that person. Like, I can't go talk to my like character's wife in carrying crown because she's half a world away. Mm-hmm. But like, if like Vec can always talk to Trinia, he might have to leave the, the, uh, the place, but you know, like that's certainly possible. Mm-hmm. So just like, I guess like the geographicality, that's a word. The geographicality. Of, yeah, the geographicality of this is that just because it's so much tighter that I think this narrative style fits this campaign a lot better. So I always prefer to develop my characters like through what happens in the adventure and change or alter my character based on that. But I will say it also. So like I like this Bestoker style, right? But like also I feel like it also depends strongly on the way that the character was before they started adventuring, right? So like this is also kind of different from Hideous Laughter where all of our characters, with the exception of Vec, are relatively young characters. They didn't like, at least I think that's correct, unless someone's hiding like crazy age stuff like Vec. Um, mm-hmm. Right. But I like, think, like Diego might be the oldest outside of Vec at like what his mid 20s. Yeah. 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 So we're all like still developing adults. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Like it's still being ourselves and like, I don't know. I think that's very different versus we had quite a few characters in HLP when we started, not all of them, but we had quite a few that had like some pretty significant life events that led them there or like had already lived for a while. So like, for example, again, Matube is middle age. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Like my character in Hideous Laughter is like 50. So it's like, that's a very different thing. Like I have 50 years to explore versus Mir has like 20. 
like, mm-hmm. and most of those were grown up. <laughs> and so I think that's different. Meanwhile, if I brought a character in that was maybe an elf and had traveled all over and now is like deciding to become an adventurer at age like 120. Well, now I've got, you know, probably 100 years of potential backstory or things that were cr- like critical in my life. And I think that's what's different to me is these characters feel like they're kind of they're, they're young adults, mostly <laughs> besides back and back has been at the age of a young adult physically for yeah, like he, a long time he's still like developmentally like a young adult like he's yeah. not like an old man i mean you know age-wise yeah. he is but like his brain never got I, I think older. i think vex backstory doesn't develop because he's like literally a man stuck in time like he Correct. said he says yeah. it multiple yeah. times about like his routine has stayed the same for Right, you know, eighty years, and or that's whatever. why, despite his age, I would lump him in with us, where we're yeah, all like I, I developing absolutely. adults, absolutely, yeah. and that's just such a different vibe than it is in some of the other adventures where you come with maybe a character that's had like, well, I had a significant life event in order to make it here to begin with, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what's different and fun with these characters. But sorry, I talked for a long time. <laughs> I would say it hasn't, you know, the the reliance or the lack thereof of you know, using flashbacks in this story versus HLP hasn't, I I don't think it's detracted from the dynamic nature of your characters. I think it's, you know, to, to the many points that were posed here, I think it's much more interesting for these characters to see how they uh, react and interact with the city around them, because that's what this adventure is about. Uh, If you didn't have the city, I kind of agree that, there's got to be a little bit more than campfire stories yeah. mm-hmm. to keep uh, to keep people interested in your characters. Uh, and, it, and it is difficult to share that much backstory with just a, hey, one-on-one by the back, by the campfire. I want to talk to you about like, you know, how my wife died. Like <laughs> a classic so, conversation. Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, you know, sometimes those are, those are moments that you kind of expect the party to be sharing about themselves, but it's more impactful to see them. Like to, to hear that, how that played out as almost like a cinematic moment than it is to just hear, you know, two characters chat about it. So I think, I think it works both ways. I, I highly recommend you GMs out there to, you know, use them when you feel like they're, they're warranted, when you feel like the information isn't going to be like too much information for the party to get. You know, obviously I used, a big one at the beginning of this campaign to give you guys the context of like Kazovan 300 years ago or whatever. And, you know, kind of left it at that. And you still don't really know what kind of role all of that flashback has to play in this story. Um, so I think it's kind of fun to, to give, give enough, but not too much. But anyway, hero point, I believe it is hero point time. I don't know if I'm dipping too far into the mirror well, but I did make you kiss a, a 12 year old doll last <laughs> yeah, episode. Let's all agree she deserves it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I think that's fair. One for the team. That was uh, awkward. <laughs> well, you got an item out of it. You got an item out of it. Wait till the fanfic drops and we'll see how we feel about it then. Hold on. Yeah. Please don't. Do Maybe got a hanging commission out there for. <laughs> yeah, I have someone on retainer for this show. Yeah, for the. Just the parts I want to see. Yep. <laughs> All right. Oh, boy. This is a long one. Uh, it's from Alex. I'm going to try and read this without having read it before. It'd be better if you didn't have typos in here, Alex. God damn it. 
Damn, called out. DeVargo sits at his desk, scribbling something on a scrap of paper. Before finishing, he angrily crumples it up and throws it out the window. His son, Joseph? <laughs> comes in. Okay, so we've, we've, we've got, liberties here we've got some cannon. fanfic here. Are you yeah. inserting lore of your point? His son, Joseph, comes in. Father, <laughs> her store, it, it was closed. She hasn't been home. We, uh, we haven't been able to deliver your letters. Ha! DeVargo lets out a hearty laugh. Joseph, my boy, I don't care. It was, you know, just a thought. We'll just drop it. I'm sure she's out murdering people in the sake of justice. The camera pans to the window, and we see the crumpled up note floating in the Jagare River. You can't see much, but you can make out the words at the end. The note is signed, with all my love, D. What? So I think, what I think we're... I think we're uh, Alex understands the assignment. You can just ham fist stuff into this campaign with the hero points. So I think we're getting we're getting some slash fic. Here's some. Uh, we're entering dangerous grounds here. I just want everyone to know any alternate fix that you write about this adventure are not going to be canon. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're fun to hear about, but they're not canon. <laughs> also, forgive him his typos. He has a Canadian keyboard. So. Oh, he's a Canadian oh, keyboard, yeah. which you know you got to come. You got to. Convert it. Yeah. Yeah. Run it well, through hey Google DeVargo sitting <laughs> at his desk, scribbling something on a scrap of paper. His boy Joseph slips on a puddle of maple syrup. Okay. His th- buddy finishes angrily. <laughs> Steve, do we have to go through Canadian sensitivity training in the uh, ethics and compliance division? Yeah, we probably should do that. <laughs> we probably should do that. <laughs> I'll schedule it for next month. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, it'd be a part of our diversity program to get a Canadian <laughs> yep. in the in the company. Let's hire one. This is HOP uh, janitor, maybe. That's a position that's open. Yeah. 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 Someone from Canada would be great for that role. I think I they guess. would, yeah. Yeah. But you have to come into the office, unfortunately. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. my point. <laughs> unfortunately, you got to come into the office. It's only once a week, so the commute's not too bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, when last we left our heroes, they uh, came back above ground after defeating multiple vampire spawn, uh, and they dealt with the situation of the young uh, doll boy that was still animated in Giotoro's toys. They found a key to a lockbox that was in kind of Giotoro's, I'd call it like a register or whatever, um, at the front of his shop, and they uh, took that back to the Temple of Abadar where they talked to Ashani about the kind of mission as a whole. And they found that, uh, you know, Ashani has connections to, or a connection in the church of Asmodeus uh, that could potentially get in there and take and question one of the vampire spawn before the church of Phrasma comes in and cleans up. You guys agreed to let him reach out to that contact uh, to see if you guys can get more information. And then you decided to sleep for the night. You got a note from the man that Sylvie had found waiting in line. Uh, didn't seem super positive. I mean, he seemed hopeful. <laughs> he was just, it gets worse before it gets better. But uh, th- this cure didn't seem to, you know, cure him in a day. Um, and then you went to sleep with thoughts of all the things that you're going to buy the next day in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we find you, you know, uh, a new day, a new time to shop. You guys have things that you want to deal with today. Notably, I think you wanted to follow up on the uh, with Erie's Yellow Eyes, the woman that you had previously met to take you down to the sewers. Uh, you wanted to meet with her because she is a known by DeVargo, at least, a, a were-rat. 
to see what the state of the the where rat situation is and how you can help. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of things to do today, but my gold is burning holes in my ghoul pockets. Perhaps we <laughs> head to the market and and pick up supplies before we venture anywhere. Right. I think there's plenty of items that we can pick up to help us in our journeys before we hit the sewers. I've got a couple things in mind myself. I'd agree. I'm looking for some upgrades to my weapons. We could use the help on our future journeys. So you guys remember that in Midlands are are the bigger shopping places. Uh, You've already been to Eadrid's Walk, which has a bunch of like well-established shopping locations on it. And then you know that Aries Yellow Eyes has a stall at the um, at the gold market, which is like just off of the walk. So the walk is kind of like a pier into the river that has a bunch of shops on it. Mm-hmm. And then the gold market is really just like this really big think think like not the size of the bazaar in Absalom, but like a bunch of kind of semi transient shops where you could t- potentially find almost anything. Mm-hmm. Now, is this the area too that has the other barber shop? Absolutely is, yes. The um, <laughs> My enemy. We should check up just to kind of see how business is doing, too. Oh, yeah, no, fire on my sheet. <laughs> yeah, you, you got the, the pinking shears uh, where old Hooktooth works. Is that the building of blades? Um, moving on. <laughs> We're obviously not going to go to him for anything ever. No? Um, no. But there's a whole list of shops. Yeah, you guys could... Why don't we why don't we kind of go go around the group let me know what you're interested in buying and I can kind of tell you hey if there's a shop on um, on Eadrid's walk that makes sense for that you could probably go there otherwise you could probably find a stall in the um, gold market I just pulled up my uh, places to shop list ready to go through that I do have uh, on here highlighted about 14 times Old Hooktooth, Mir's Greatest Enemy. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm looking for a spell heart, actually. A spell heart. Yeah. Uh, you might be able to find that at Hedge Wizardry. It's, it's kind of like the magic shop on, on Eadrid's Walk. Some of you, I believe, have met the proprietor there before. I heard it's run by a wizard hedge fund. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I would like to go there then. Sure. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, new uh, new customer. I don't think I've had the pleasure of making your acquaintance. My name is Faden Skoda. My name's Mir, and... Uh, this is the first time I've been here. Now, you're not an academy student, and nor a student of Thermonexus College, are you? No, I haven't been to school. Well, that's probably for the best. Your professors would be quite upset with you for shopping with me. Mir is suspicious now. Uh, should, should I not be shopping here? No, you certainly should. Uh, I have the best magics available. It's just... Uh, but wh- why would professors be against this? Well, I was a student uh, at the academy once. and Did you fail? Uh, well, I decided to leave. I've heard that's not very good. I may or may not have taken some information with me. Interesting. Do, do you have some gossip to, that you'd share? Some hot goss. Mm. I'd like the tea. <laughs> mm. 
Well, they've said people can read tea leaves. I don't. I don't have much uh, much hot goss. Uh, you know, I was a student there thirty some years ago, but I I took some. You know, magic item crafting is a is a difficult profession. So I you know I took some books on the matter, and they're not quite happy with me. They don't like their student shopping here. Well, I, I'm not a student, so I, I guess I'm fine to shop here. I've been so. offering both students discounts to try and get them in. Actually, I do think I am a student uh, real recently enrolled. <laughs> Where's your imp? <laughs> what? Where's your imp? If you're an academy student, where's your imp? I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did we go in a group? Is Sylvie here? Probably not. <laughs> Unless you had stuff to shop here for magical uh, things. She's just looking for a channel protection amulet. Hmm. My imp's on uh, loan right now with my friend Sylvie. <laughs> a likely story. All right. Well, if, if you don't believe me, I, I guess next time I'll, I'll make sure I bring my imp. But Next time, bring an imp and a signed letter from... A signed <laughs> Well... You're adding expectations here. Most students come in here with their student ID, and you're clearly not going to bring that. <laughs> All right. Well, a letter and an imp and discount. Um, yeah. You need your ID. <laughs> your imp and document. <laughs> God damn. Your student ID is invalid without an imp and a document. I didn't know that's where you're going. That's really good. <laughs> well, for today, I'm looking for a spell heart to, to add to my weapon. Well, we've got a couple of those. Uh, you're going to have to be more specific. You know, they all do different things, right? Hi. I'm looking for the Trinity Geode. Uh, I oh, scatter uh, a lot. Yes, the uh, the earthy one. Yes. You look like a real salt to the earth person. You sure that you're not part of the Druid College? I didn't know there was a college for Druids. Well, it's uh, maybe I should have been there. It's more like a oh, community no. college. Isn't that just any forest? Yeah, <laughs> you just have to. It's not in the city. It's Bunch a branch. It's a branch campus. <laughs> oh, okay. Jesus. I don't go there either, actually, and and usually I do focus on water and uh, the animal companions. But I cast this spell a lot, and I, I've heard this spell heart's gonna help. Sure, yeah. He would, uh, you know, he'd, he'd go back to kind of like his. He's probably got like a glass case with all the you know gem-like objects and maybe like little bits and bobs of like magical jewelry, and he could, you know, he'd pick it out. It kind of looks like it's like a gem, but it's like a gem in the shape of a rock you know what i mean like it's cut it's cut irregularly so it looks uh-huh. like a looks like a stone instead of like a precious gem um and he'd hand it over uh that'll be uh however much gold that is in the game master you got 60 gold that'll be 60 gold <laughs> the gm senses motive <laughs> that is 60 gold i will uh, pass that gold on over am i able to affix this to my weapon or do i need to like I think you can. I think it works like a talisman in the sense yes. that it's not like a difficult to fix. Huh. Okay. PFSRD says it's 85. That's I'm literally kidding. not I'm, true. I'm <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Mir will hand over the money and she'll say, thank you very much. This is uh, going to be very helpful for me. And I will let my friends know to, to come here, even though you won't give us a discount for shopping. Well, I didn't say I wouldn't. I just need your ID. I hear you. All right. I'll let my friends know to come here, though. Um, and with that, I, I, I do need to get going, though, on other shopping trips. 
unless. No, that's fine. Yeah, okay. tell your friends. Time to bring their ID as well. All right, and then if Mir finds Sylvie, she'll be like, "Hey, you can go get a discount if you <laughs> get a letter from any of your teacher." But the next thing I need is a striking rune, which is rather simple. Is anybody else getting a weapon thingamajig? Not no. I. Okay, uh, you would head over to Slicing Dicers there, and you see like an eager, an eager teenage uh, human is uh, manning the front desk. Oh, hello, ma'am. Welcome to Slicing Dicers. All right, we're in for it now. (laughs) (laughs) The name Sam Smith of Slicing Dicers. Uh, What could I serve you with? I'm looking to get a striking rune. Oh, striking. That's my favorite style of rune. Haley, as quick as you can make this interaction. (laughs) This guy sliced off the tip of his tongue years ago. You have to be quite careful with the striking runes. Otherwise, you could lose your locution because uh, you sliced off the tip of your tongue. (laughs) All right, yeah. I'm I'm looking for that striking rune to get added to this uh, racer. It's it's already pretty sharp. Just can you add the striking rune to the racer? Sure. Come back in several hours, I guess. We'll get that affixed. Thank you. I'd appreciate it. And she will walk on out. So long. Sayonara. <laughs> Have a splendid day. <laughs> right, How about the rest of you? What are you guys getting? Sylvie is looking for a channel protection amulet and then some uh, gear to counteract the plague. So you don't think there would be anything here specifically for protecting you from the plague? Um... That'd probably be something you'd have to find in the gold market. Mm, However, okay. um, you think that the store called Doom and Gloom might carry a um, a channel protection amulet or whatever it is? These are um, good store names. Yeah. These are very good. As Sylvie's heading out, uh, Vec hears what she's looking for. Oh, you know what? I'm actually in the market for one of those as well. You mind if I tag along, Sylvie? Of course not. That would be... It would be quite nice to have a friend come along. Lovely. We've got lots to catch up on. You enter the doom and gloom and there is an old uh, Varesian woman there. Uh, It looks like this is like part office, part store, and it's like completely cluttered. Uh, Smells of just like fresh incense, like pungent incense. Uh, And it's like really dimly lit in here. Hello, how can I help you? My name is Yara. Yara, what a beautiful name. My name is Vicaris Relve, but you can call me Vec. This is my good friend, Sylvie. We're looking for some amulets that would protect you against channeled negative energy. You wouldn't happen to have any of that there, would you? Oh, thank the gods you're not here for another reading. I grow so weary of doing readings all day. Uh, protection from uh, the negative energies. Hmm. We certainly have some things that could come in handy, I suppose. Specific, uh, you, are you worried about uh, evil clerics, undead creatures? Uh, the harsh words of a, a relative. Um, what exactly kind of negative vibes are you wishing to deter? Kind of all of the above, but I'll settle for just the cleric one. <laughs> oh. 
And whatever vibe you're giving off, too. Protection <laughs> from, from harm. <laughs> Precisely. Yes, uh, we have these matching best friend bracelet <laughs> style amulets. Uh, two for the price of two. <laughs> Beck looks over at Sylvie and gives her just like the biggest shit-eating grin. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Best friends indeed. <laughs> you want to be near each other. Uh, if you... If you are in the in the presence of harm and you put the two little half hearts together, you get an extra plus one uh, to the resistance against harm. Sense motive on that. <laughs> sure, you can sense motive. Natural one. <laughs> She's underselling it. He <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> Sylvie, do not leave my side. <laughs> By the way, these are the two that are almost never next to each other. No, yeah. as far away as possible. <laughs> All that will change. Great, we'll take two. I'm also in the market for something else. Um, what if I come up against some sort of evil arcane caster who's going to strike me through the heart with a magic missile? Maybe a brooch of shielding. Is that you or would that be someone else? Maybe a good reference. I do love a good brooch. Let me see if I have a magical one in the back. Oh, bother. (laughs) 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 She pulls out a... It it is a brooch, but it it appears to have like a perfectly mirrored surface. Mm. Like you could use it as almost like a compact mirror is what it looks like. Oh, I am often looking at myself in the mirror. Um... If uh, someone were to direct uh, magical missiles at you, they would uh, bounce right off the mirror and be useless. Perfect, I'll take one of those. Sylvie, anything else from the lovely lady? That is all for me. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, don't thank me. I'm here all day. (laughs) Well, we'll be sure to recommend you to some of our friends if they're in need of your... um, Magical items or card readings? I hear you do those. Mm. We know readings are her passion. Or, or don't. <laughs> Till it's next time. So as Vec and Sylvie are walking out, he'll say, "All right, Sylvie, where next?" Because I'm all good. The last thing I need is some protection from the plague. But I think we will have to go to the gold market for that. Maybe for a. Mask or some anti-plague? Wonderful. I've got two masks, so I'll be okay. <laughs> but I will be taking some anti-plague. And as they're walking together, Vec asks her, So, Sylvie, after a little transfusion yesterday, how are you feeling? Sylvie looks down at her arms and takes a moment to think about it. You know, I feel... Like myself, there is really no no after effects. It is perfect. Now we have uh, matching bracelets to commemorate the occasion. I, I guess so. Um, I need you to do me a favor, though. Seeing as I lent some of my life essence out to you, if you start noticing things about you that are different, remind you of me... I need you to come right to me 
and we'll talk about them, okay? Don't go anywhere else. Of course. Sussy. Can, can you tell me a little bit about this, these things that I might notice? You are a complex person with many facets of your personality. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the stuff that you've seen, uh, affinity for positive energy, things behaving strangely about you, wounds closing up and not leaving scars, the like. If I notice any of those things, I will let you know right away. But so far, I have not really noticed much, but I have not really gotten hurt since we since the transfusion. Right, all right. Well, you be sure to let me know. And if those, if you notice those things today or tomorrow or next week or whatever, let's talk. And maybe if someday down the line you wake up and see that things have been changing about you, but you stay the same or feel that you have, you know where to find me. That's quite cryptic, but you know. You'll know. You are saying a lot of things that I do not really understand. Right, well, when you'll know, you know. Anyway, <laughs> there's something that I haven't quite wrapped my brain around. And you know, I think I need you to help me out here. When we were having our little tussle in the deep waters in the belly of the direction, we fought that old sea hag and she called you a changeling. Said that maybe you'd heard the call. You wouldn't happen to know anything about what she was talking about, do you? I do have a little bit of an idea. Uh, the, the parents who have raised me are not my biological parents. They are my aunt and uncle. They have given me a wonderful life that, and I could not have asked for more from them. But I am not one of them. I am a four dice in name, but I do not really fit in. I... And that makes you a changeling? That just means you're adopted. <laughs> there, There is a bit more to the story than that. I have been having these dreams. Very vivid dreams. Where I am stuck in place, but am aware of what is happening around me. And there is always a cloaked figure who is holding me down. And sometimes she speaks to me. The last one that I had, I saw that she has the same purple eyes as I have one. And Sylvie points to her purple eye on the, the side with her white hair. I've always thought there was something strange about you, Sylvie. Not in a bad way, but I've been living in the city for quite a while and... Guess how many people I've met with different colored eyes? Just one. It's you. So I thought there might be something strange going on with your bloodline, but dreams are a tricky thing. Sometimes they're just your own voices in your head helping you figure stuff out. Sometimes they're quite a bit more. If you want to talk about it sometime, well, like I said, you know where to find me. And now that I've got this and he shakes his wrist, <laughs> I guess we're bound together, aren't we? That we are. I am hoping I will find out more about her. About more of my family history on both sides. There is much to uncover there. Well, you just see, like, the Cheshire cat smile 
over her shoulder <laughs> of Sazzy. Yeah, as he just like makes just his mouth visible before kind of just popping back out. That little schemer. All right, Sylvie, we'll tell you what. We got a lot to deal with here. Where rats being persecuted, disease spreading through the city. We got a lot that we need to work on. But when we all wrap this up and you want to try finding out what's going on with your parentage, I'll help how I can. I appreciate that, and I honestly could use the help. Thank you. Great. Well, let's get some stuff to fight the plague and see what our friends are up to. And you'd probably meet Mir actually at this place, because that's where she was headed after she drops everything off. And Mir would greet you, say, you know, I think I'm all done shopping besides getting some stuff for the plague. I dropped my razor off with Sam. Remember, the, he's the guy who tests the sharpness on his tongue, right? So I got to go back and get that at some point. But for now... They call my tongue Sam paper. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's Sam. <laughs> But for now, I'd, I'd also like to get some plague stuff. So, Sylvia, if you want to lead the way, I think you had a good plan in mind. Well, Diego, where are you, uh, where are you getting? Yes. Um, I There's a couple things I want to pick up before I join for the getting some anti-plague. Uh, there is a bracer of missile deflection I'd like to pick up and a demon mask. Although I hate that this plus one intimidate item is kind of locked into you have to you get this like demon type mask instead of some other outsider type. Reach into to the choir, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Those two things are what I'm looking for. So, in kind of the interim, you got a bit of a bit more connection to the Shuanti that have stayed in Corvosa. You, you know that most of your new tribe, the Skullanqua, have have left to kind of deal with this you know, big deal funeral type thing, uh, including Thousand Bones. But you've kind of started almost a committee with the ones that have stayed, if you remember, uh, you know, kind of meeting with Crest uh, and like almost going to town hall type of thing, Mm -hmm. kind of taking up Thousand Bones mantle. And you think that you could go to the Galloping Ghost, although it's not, not normally known for selling these items, you know that the leathersmith there uh, is actually married to a Shwanti woman and they um, they run the business together. But surprisingly, the owner of the business is a man named Patch, who you've you've now like through these kind of committees just met like briefly, but you'd know him if you saw him. But he is a former member of the Sable Company. Can you give us a, a, just a quick rundown on the Sable Company? It, it's it's the one of the guard organizations. Yeah, right? so the Sable Company is kind of the um, the military organization to the guards, like police force. So the Sable Company is Corvos's military outwards, and they're particularly well known because uh, almost everyone in the Sable Company rides a hippogriff, mm-hmm. and this galloping ghost is most known. Because this ex Sable Company guy makes like the best uh, barding and and like saddles and that kind of stuff. Oh, very business. cool! But you think like a bracer of missile deflection is not normally something like a a mage would be making. There's not really an armor shop on here, so he might be kind of the guy to ask. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yes, I want to go into the shop and uh, and ask for Patch. Sure. Uh, Pat- Patch would see you like come through the door. 
Uh, and he, he recognizes you and he's like, oh, hey there, sir. You, uh, I apologize. Uh, you, you, I recognize you. Uh, no offense. You, you're quite distinctive. Uh, you had a, you've been to a council meeting with my wife, right? Yes. Uh, Diego, pleased to meet you. Diego, Diego. Uh, Patch, Patch. Uh, uh, my wife, uh, my wife is in the back. Uh, do, do you, are you, are you here for, uh, Shuanti business? I can, and go ask ask for her. No, I I was in the area shopping, and I thought I, I might as well frequent some local businesses for my my wares. I'm I'm looking for some uh, some leather work. There are bracers that I think you might be able to help me with, uh, or that the shop could be uh, could be a good one to procure them. Right, uh, you know, normally normally people come here for uh, you know. Uh, Hippogriff mounts. The sable company uses me a lot. Uh, I, but but for uh, horse barden and saddles and that kind of thing. But um, you, you've got a good eye, uh, Mister Diego. I I do um, I do know how to make uh, make magic of leather, if if that makes sense. From the quality of your barding, I had no doubt that you would be able to to do this. Uh, what exactly? What what's? Is there something special you want? There is. I'm looking for some missile deflection bracers. I've found myself in quite a bit of fights as of late, and uh, I I want no archer piercing my skin. You'd be shocked at how uh, how often I've made bracers of missile deflection. Uh, the the thing is, with the Sable Company high and flying, uh, most of the only way that they can get attacked is from from archers. So I I've actually you know we could we could see if. Uh, something in my stock fits you. I've made them for both uh, the Sable Company officers and their mounts before, so I actually kind of have a back stock of them. Um, Perfect. I'll take, if you have any triple XL sizings. Well, I'll I don't, don't want to give you the hippogriff size. Uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll go down from there. Um, but why don't you come into the back with me? We can, uh, we can say hello to, to the wife, and I'm sure she'd be happy to see you as well. I'd be pleased to. What was the name of the store again? This is the Galloping Ghost. Galloping Ghost. All these store names on Bangers. point. They're great. That's why I've been writing them all down. <laughs> and uh, you would know that it is probably because it's husband and wife owned. It's it's probably called the Galloping Ghost because uh, his wife's name is Three Ghost. Oh, okay. Oh, Diego, it's so good to see you. Yes, it's nice to see a familiar face in these troubling times again. How how have you been? I've been wonderful. Um, things, the shop has been doing well, um, and it's so so good. It feels like um, you and the rest of um, the rest of the tribesmen that you've gathered have allowed some of some of us that have been a little less connected to our culture to reconnect. As just telling Patch how how nice it was to be able to meet with um, meet with more people that share uh, share our culture in in the city. Uh, it's kind of it's something I've been lacking on doing in the past. I uh, a coalition that brings people closer together in the city is always a benefit. I've uh, I've come to procure some uh, leather work from your your husband here, a uh, bracers, which I've I'm, I know he's he's a uh, Ms. Barding, he's a proat and uh, a mask of sorts as well. Oh, a mask. What kind of mask are you looking to... Well, it needn't be of uh, 
any particular styling, but just one to make me more terrifying in battle. You know, I think I have something that might work for you. I've been speaking with some some peoples of the, the Moon Tribe, and, and they tend to create such masks. Ah, yes, the Moon Tribe with their monthly meeting. <laughs> she would actually, you know, it, it is a leather mask, but she would she would pull out a leather mask that is actually like, it appears to be just this like harshly fanged mouth. And you can see like within the mouth is just like, again, it's like leather carved stylized, but it like, it looks like a tattooed hand that like is in the teeth of the mouth. Whoa, that is neat. That's so cool. Yes, the craftsmanship on this is impeccable. I, uh, if you're willing to part with it, I could put a lot of use uh, of this mask in battle. Uh, to be sure, I didn't really think I'd be selling it. <laughs> I didn't know that any of our usual customers would be interested in it. It was something I made that was kind of sparked by what we've all been doing. But I'd, I'd be happy to sell it to someone like you. With any luck, it'll be the last thing that many evil foes see before they fade towards the boneyard. And so, yeah, you, um, you know, while while you guys are having this conversation, like Patch is kind of like <laughs> just grabbing your arm and like, you know, measuring, like grabbing one of them, testing it. He, he goes through like three before he finds like the perfect fit for the bracers. But uh, yeah, you're able to buy both items. Wonderful. There. I try those on immediately to each of them. I say, thank you very much. I'm glad to have you here in the city uh, with your shop and, and to do business with you. If there's ever anything you need, just reach out to me. There is a, and I give them Mir, Mir's Barbershop address. Sure. There's a little headquarters of sorts I've been uh, working out of with some friends and that's a good place to slip a note under the door if you need us. Good to know, Diego. And you know, we're always a, uh, a safe place for the Shuanti of the of the entire city. Uh, we obviously are quite attached to the cause that you're pushing forth. Indeed. Well, stay safe. This is weird. Like, I mean, this this couple is is like is not normal in the city, mm-hmm. but it's one of like a few that you know of of like intermarrying Shuanti and like Corvosan people. Uh, you think like cool, you have a great in at the at the Sable Company as well mm. now with this guy. Um, but you can tell like there are, there certainly are like pockets of non-Shuanti people that that care for the Shuanti cause here. I think like through your your meetings and stuff, you've, you've probably met a few people that, that aren't Shuanti that are still interested in like supporting you guys. I think after that, you know, you guys can kind of easily like all meet each other and head to the gold market where you're mostly looking for anti-plague and that kind of thing. And you happen to, you know, swing by the area where Erie's Yellow Eyes sets up a market stall. You remember that that's exactly what she sells. She's an alchemist. So she sells, you know, anti-plague, that kind of stuff. She she gave that to you before you went down to the sewer. I forgot yes. about that. Yeah. That's perfect. As we're walking along, Diego notes the friendship bracelets that Sylvie and Vec have and is a little sad that he wasn't part of the friendship <laughs> process, but he doesn't say anything to avoid ruining the vibes. It is not too late to pick up one for everyone. <laughs> well, they do have protection against evil vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All we have to do is put those together. Mm. Okay. 
you guys approach uh, Eerie's stall, and you can see the the kind of mousy old woman's old yellowy, somewhat like cataract eyes still seem to light up when she uh, recognizes the four of you. Oh, oh, uh, hello, hello. I uh, did. D- Devargo uh, had sent me a message that um, maybe, maybe he might have a, a few people uh, that could that could maybe help with the situation that my people are facing. Um, uh, have Have you come to speak with me about the the were-rat, uh incidents? I as well as get some uh, anti plague from you. Yes, um, of, of course. I um. I'm quite adept at um, making all, all all styles of al- alchemical cures and and items. If if you are willing to to help me, I can I can give you all an anti-plague uh, for free. In fact, well, let me tell you a little bit about what's happening. Uh, two days ago, uh, a mob in Midlands executed a um, a were-rat boy. He was. Is no older than 16. They found him scavenging for food and immediately assumed that he was um, spreading this this sickness that's going around the city. Um, once that happened, the violence kind of picked up. It's been difficult for my people to, um, to come to the surface if there is any suspicion of them being lycanthropes. Uh, luckily for me, I... I've had this stall for years, um, and and the my neighbors, uh, my neighbors in the gold market, um, respect me enough to to not um, you know to help to help me stay in business and not have to worry. Um, but that's not the case for many of the other uh, were rats in the city. Um, several have died because of this prejudice, even though. Um, if if the people of Corvosa knew better, they'd know that we can't get sick with this plague. And if we're not in contact with the people on the surface, we can't spread it. Um, but it's it's come to a head underground. There's, um, there's a were-rat named Grigas who has been gathering other... Other were-rats with the same ideology as him, they want to come to the surface and wreak havoc on on the people of Corvosa for for persecuting us. I I went down to his lair and I tried to convince him that attacking the surface dwellers would just incite more violence and more misunderstanding, but he refused to listen. He's blinded by his rage at the surface. If he wouldn't listen to you, what makes you think he would listen to four surface dwellers? Uh, that's the problem. I don't expect him to listen to you. I, I'm i one of the oldest were-rats in this city. There are far more than Grigus and his friends that w- will be punished for his actions. Uh, if you can talk sense into him, maybe you can do a better job than I can. Uh, but if it comes to it, I feel like showing him the force of what he would experience up here uh, would change his mind from from attacking. 
at the very worst case scenario, he may just need to be removed so that the other were-rats in the sewers can live in peace without him sparking a powder keg of violence. I'd, I'd ask that you try not to kill my people, but if it comes to it, I understand. He and his group of zealots are... If I couldn't sway them, I, I'm not saying I expect you to be able to, but you've witnessed how strong you are. You made it back that spider lair I led you to. I, and, and then what do you suppose? I don't think the four of us are equipped to change public perception of were-rats. I don't know that we can sway the city to not persecute you further, I'm sorry to say. What we can do is we can... We can teach the younger were-rats to, to remain in, in human form on the surface and will hopefully pass by unnoticed. It's annoying for us natural-born lycanthropes to, to stay in, in human form. The, the younger people of, of my group, uh, they, they come up here and they think that they're being stealthy and they, you know, turn and then they're captured. It's more of a knowledge campaign we'd have to do than, than anything. Um, but I'd like to help our perception up here after this. I think if, if we can stop the hostility that's coming from underground, well, we may be able to show that we can do more help than, than harm in this plague. I, I think that uh, we'd be the ideal people to be going in and administering treatment since we can't can't contract this disease. Well, what do you say the rest of you? Are you up for it? I am. I'm ready to help, uh, but I will have to stop back and grab my weapon first. Understood. We must help them the best way that we can. Aye. An insurgency from the depths of the city will bring no more, or bring, bring worse troubles onto both the were-rats and the people of Corvosa alike. I understand what we need to do in the short term, but I want to see a future where where rats can walk in the sunlight in their true forms and not be harassed. It might be hard to do now, but I have hopes for the future. There are things we can do to start that process. I think the, the people of Old Corvosa have been hit nearly the hardest. Uh, they might be the most likely to accept us as well. Um... I will say, as long as you four are helping the city, I can reserve a, um, a batch of my preparations every morning for, for the four of you. I can give you each an anti-plague. I know you're not immune to the effects of this disease like I am, uh, but that should help you be able to deal with the sick people. One thing I'd like to do, like down the road, is maybe talk to Cressida about if we can get werats in like positions where the, the public sees them helping with the issue, like the the people dragging the carts of dead around mm -hmm. or cleaning up the city or something. That might help a little bit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sounds good. Okay. Well, with that, we're gonna we're gonna have Mir uh, run back and get her weapon. Um, that gets about it this time, late in the morning. That. Um, you begin to feel sick. Oh no! Oh, real sick. Like not, not your garden variety uh, hypochondria tickles in the throat. Mm -hmm. uh, you are drained one and stupefied one. Oh, Jesus! That's the spellcaster double whammy. 
Oh. So just sit out the next couple episodes. You gonna remove disease? I mean, certainly if I am able to. Let's talk about that, Griff. Sure. I need to know that like I've got the disease and then I can start removing it and which I would I can cast the spell and do a counteract check and all of that fun stuff but yep. it's painfully obvious to Vec at this point that he's got it right yep yeah okay you you maybe start to see the first hints of like rosy red blotches that are starting from like your extremities and you've seen on all these sick like once those get to like your torso and trunk and especially like your neck and head it's really bad. Mm-hmm. Your neck, your head, get the plague and then you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm chugging an anti-plague every day. It says this applies to your daily save against a disease progression, but shouldn't affect like the counteract modifier for. Right. The- so you, you will get a save now at this at this point. You, you We've hit your daily point. So you get a save here. Okay. Uh, so you, you've moved to stage one. Mm-hmm. With the, as the disease progresses at one day, but now you get a save to see if you can like again drop the stage down, gotcha, and not be dealing with these effects, or I, drop down a stage even further. Yeah, if you can, if you can crit this, then yeah. And you said it was drained one, stupefied one. Yes, was that the other one. Okay, Those are the two. All right, that is tough. Um, here comes the fortitude save. Ooh, sixteen on the die. That will be a. 26 total that is a success which i believe would mean that you would you pop back a stage unless it's virulent let's see i thought it is virulent so you will need two successful stage saves to get out of this stage one essentially um so you made one of them then tomorrow when you make your save Mm -hmm. it will either You'll either get out of stage one, or if you fail that save, you'll progress to stage two then. So I think he kind of takes a step back from the party. I'm sorry. It seems like I am sick. I think I have the tools to deal with this, but I'm going to need some time. About 10 minutes or so, then we'll know if I'm successful. I'm going to run through the entire market, touching as many people as possible. Um, Well, I imagine Sylvie's probably a little concerned now, too. Yeah. Yeah, you got that blood donation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now you start to feel itchy. Oh no. It's like mm-hmm. that like phantom itchy where you, you just you're thinking of something that mm-hmm. could be and that makes you feel itchy. Yeah. Yeah, I really want there to be like a hypochondria condition. <laughs> it's like, it like barely does anything, but it like maybe it like gives you like a you know, a conditional like minus one to will saves against like yeah. against someone like against being in contact with other people. You're like, oh I'm mm-hmm. sick. I'm trying to see if there's anything else I can do to boost this. I don't think I can. So my counteract check would be in a, a plus 11. Unfortunately, with the stupefied, that does take it down to a plus 10. Okay. So he's going to spend some time and he crosses his arms across his chest, maybe like in like an alley or something. I don't know. We're far from home at this point, just where there's nobody, with nobody around. And the like swirling air continues around him. And you see just like the yellow light pulsing, pulsing, pulsing out of his hands directly like into his pectorals. And we'll see if that does the trick. You do have a hero point. I do. I have a dirty 20 to counteract. I I think we know that's good, right? I think we knew so. that was a, 
We know against that the, the it's against the DC. Okay, if it's right. against the DC, then yeah. Now counteracting is kind of weird. I'm pretty sure it's against the DC of the disease. Yeah, I believe. It yeah, is. if that's a regular success, which it sounds like it is, counteract the target if its counteract level is no more than one level higher than your effects counteract level. So what's your effects counteract level? Is that the ten? Um, it's not. Is it? No. Is I think it's your, your spell level, level. Spell level. Yeah. Well, my spell level is three. If an effect is a spell, its level is the the spell level is the counteract level. Yeah. I mean, it says it pretty plainly, right? If an effect is a spell, its level is the counteract level. Yeah, I'm just. Wait. The, yeah, the I know. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. From the item, it says an if an effect's level is unclear and it comes from a creature, have and round up the creature's level. I, I mean, I just take the disease's level, disease's right? Level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't counteract it. So I need a crit well, success to do anything so against this. That, that's what. That's what I'm worried about is that y you might have to have the disease level because a disease could go up to level 20, mm -hmm. but his spell counteract level only goes up to like level nine or 10. So. Uh, unless that oh, you think it's play. like half. The, I think it's like half rounded up or something like that. Let's yeah, let's check that because it makes a difference. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If an effect is a spell, its level is the counteract level. Otherwise, half its level and round up to determine its counteract level. Okay, so your level is the counteract level, so you're good because half of five rounded up is three. So I don't have it anymore. So well, yeah. you're gonna hate me for this, but roll a flat check to see if you can even cast the spell because you're stupefied. Oh. oh no! Do I need to cast remove disease? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see well, I've got one more in the tank. The, uh... But yeah, she might have one prepared. Uh, I, I did have one prepared. So it's just a DC five. Oh. DC five plus your super five value, so DC six. I did make it clear in the beginning of this. As soon as the disease happened, I would be preparing at least one remove disease every day. Yeah. Natural twenty. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, uh, so you you no longer have the disease, <sighs> which means you no longer have the drained and stupefied. That, that ride on top of it. God, I was so scared. Okay. Because I believe it removes the disease entirely, right? It, it doesn't like take it down a stage or anything. Yeah. Yep. So after about 10 minutes or so, where I'm sure the, the rest of you are checking yourselves and probably a little concerned, Vec Mir's comes just back gone out. For, <laughs> for rapier. Her, uh, her <laughs> go, go get my razor. She doesn't need to know. Um, <laughs> The like the pulsating yellow energy or the golden energy that's flooding over his body is just like pushing these welts smaller and smaller and smaller until they're gone. And he looks down. Well, I'll be damned. That did work. All right. Stands up, walks out. Right as rain, guys. See the, the guy at the store to me is like, excuse me, ma'am. You haven't been in contact with any uh, thick citizens, have you? I would have thought you'd ask me that before I get in, but I, I sometimes I'm quite forgetful when I, you know, I see a, I see a sale about to happen. Just like you forget when you test sharpness on your own tongue. That's why they call it uh, sandpaper. <laughs> they test everything on me. I'm fine. I haven't been sick. Splendid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. I got a nice new shiny weapon. All right, so Aries would lead you down. Mia, you'll never believe it. I was super sick while you were gone, and now I'm not. His divine powers again prevailed over the worldly <laughs> afflictions of this earth. Yeah. You didn't need any help, though? You're, you're fine. Uh, I think I am. Did I mess up really big? Is, is Sylvie sick? I do not... Sylvie, you should tell if, them if you're sick. <laughs> <laughs> I feel... I have not felt any symptoms yet, but... Only time will tell. Good, and remember, 
best friends never lie to each other, do they? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Below the surface we go. I'm assuming this yellow-eyes lady is able to, like, kind of point us in the right direction. Yep, she's going to take you basically to, you know, she'll point you down a tunnel and say, oh, it's, it's, the, there should be an entrance to it to the left down there. Sounds good. I'll lead and perhaps get us lost and go a little farther deeper than we anticipated. <laughs> if that's the case, then I think maybe Faye should lead. I feel like I trust him more than... <laughs> you at that point. I am a reliable navigator. It'll be fine. <laughs> so, Diego, down the city sewer tunnel, you actually do find a, um, you know, you guys have come from kind of north of Diego, and you find a hole in this wall through the disgustingly visible haze of noxious sewer reek. The flow of unmentionable slop through the sewer's tunnels fills slick channel unexpectedly forks. Most of the muck continues on its expected path, but a small stream of ooze diverts off through a wide cleft in the moldy masonry wall. The man-sized crack cuts deep into the rock behind the wall, and wisps of thin white smoke issue forth. Hmm. I think we've found the passage. <laughs> well, then what are you waiting for? I... Nothing, just dramatic effect. <laughs> so what are you guys doing in this, uh... Maybe perception checks to listen in, or if there's a particular knowledge check to roll on the, the smoke or the ooze or something. I don't know. Sure. If you're going to make perception checks, I'm going to have you be, you know, searching for this exploration activity. If you would rather not make a perception check and sneak, you can do that. Um, if you would rather kind of scout, then, you know, if combat does happen, you all get a plus one to your initiative. So, um, Diego, am I to take it that you are... Seeking? Sure, yeah. Okay. Ooh, 17. Yeah, I mean, you see you see this muck and some rubble that, that go down this path. Uh, you, you think to yourself that it would be rather difficult to, um, to kind of operate in this muck. It's really slimy where you guys are. And fortunately, you know, nothing's, nothing's bothering you right now, but you think if you were going to have to, like, move quickly it'd be difficult to move your full speed through this muck. Ah, okay. Mm. So you'd have to, you think you'd have to, you know, do some acrobatics to, mm. uh, the, the only other thing you notice is you smell the, it, maybe through the sewage and maybe just with kind of like your, your feline scent, you can get like the, the distinct different scent still shit, but, <laughs> uh, smells like manure. Hmm. instead of, like, sewage. There may be some farming activity coming up here. I smell manure. Bullshit. <laughs> Good. God damn it. Uh, I guess, are we, are we stepping through, going in the passage? I'm gonna, as my exploration activity, be sustaining spells of detect magic. Okay. So if that kicks off, I'll, I'll be doing that. Yeah, you don't detect anything yet. Cool. So I assume you're like detecting where you can see. So you're probably like detecting up the. It's just that 30 foot yeah, emanation. Yeah. yeah. I would do a void notice, which is the stealth. Sylvie can do uh, some scouting. She has pretty good movement. Mm -hmm. Diego is, is sniffing the air as he <laughs> as he approaches to try to try to understand what these different scents are. Diego, as you're here, you immediately see kind of in the direction of that manure smell, these mushroom. Do you have a nature check? I do not. 
but I'll certainly call out to the rest of them that there are patches of of fungus growing, Mm -hmm. which you would expect in an area like this, I suppose. So I can do a nature check if you would like. You'd have to get up and see it. Sure. Yeah, I can do that. Um, Do you want me to actually move my person right now? Move yourself until you can see it. Yeah, you can make a nature check here. All right. Let's see. All right. I did get a six on the die for a total of an 18. You can't identify this. Okay. It's probably just fungus. What what does it look like? Is it just a couple mushrooms? Nothing real distinct about them? They have purple caps, which okay. is why Diego oh. like, immediately mm. met, like noticed them. Mm. Yeah. I have an idea from a module I've run. <laughs> Let's keep going. Do you want me to There's, try yeah. a check too? Sylvie has nature. Oh. oh. Yeah, what places? Sure. All right, Sylvie can see it standing in Diego's space, or where he was standing. Careful, Sylvie, don't get too far. She looks back, he's like shakes his wrist. <laughs> she nods at him and then looks over at the at the mushroom. Ooh, that's a 26. Yeah, with the 26, you know that this is like a little patch of shriekers mm. set up to warn the inhabitants of this cavern about intruders, you know that if you go within 10 feet of them, they will start shrieking unless you can make a, you can make a like survival check to carefully approach them and disable them. I have survival. Sylvie does not. So she'll whisper that to the party and let Mir take the lead. But I believe Figgy is actually an expert in survival. Yes. Figgy's just going to go eat the mushrooms, I think. <laughs> no. Figgy's going to sniff His stomach's going to be like a boombox. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, do you want me to do one for both of us or just one person? Do you want me, does, can Figgy make the check, I guess? Figgy can make the check. Because if, 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 if the first person doesn't fail or fails, they'll go off, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Well, I did only roll an eight for Figgy. Plus 12 is a 20. So, so put Figgy next to the mushrooms. And he chomps them, and they go away. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my little guy. Good the boy. And Figgy immediately notices the presence of several vermin in this area. Uh-oh. In fact, as you guys are wading through this slush, uh, the the rats in this room seem to notice you. Oh no! Um, potentially not if you're stealthing. But that's what Mir's plan was. Well, you're already you're already doing other stuff. So someone else was doing something like stealth in their exploration. Oh, I guess Mir could if she wasn't participating in the. Um, yeah, I was only going to do survival on Mir if I had to because Figgy couldn't do it. But Figgy's better at survival than me. Sounds good. So they see Figgy combat erupts. OK. Protect the Figster. And I think we'll uh, see how this combat goes when we continue the curse campaign next time. Oh my goodness! All right, he just ate all his mushrooms. You sure he's not just hallucinating these things? You could be. You could be. (laughs) It's a figgy figment. The Bestow Curse Podcast is a Hideous Laughter Productions show. Hideous Laughter Productions is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Curse of the Crimson Throne is copyright 2016. Curse of the Crimson Throne and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. 
Paizo, Pathfinder, their respective logos, and all Paizo titles, characters, and artwork are properties of Paizo Incorporated and used with permission.